This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join is their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. Each episode will not only offer you a new perspective on dating, but will also change the way you date. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear commentary from my producer, Julie Krafchick, and other surprise co-hosts. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. On this episode, we want to talk about mindful dating. What does that sound like and what does it look like? It seems like it's a buzzword for a while. Mindfulness, mindful eating, mindful life, mindful dating. What does it mean? That's why we had to bring in an expert because I have no idea how to even approach it. That's why we have Erin on the phone. Hi, Erin. Hey. Hey. She is a host of the Wise Woman podcast. She's 28 years old. She currently lives in Chicago, originally from Chicago, but has lived in many places in the last five years. She was on the road for a long time. She said that's a story for later. And she's currently in a monogamous relationship, engaged. Just a little background about why she's an expert in this field. She's an international wellness consultant, spiritual teacher, and retreat leader. She facilitates innovative mindfulness workshops in the areas of meditation, emotional intelligence, positive psychology, conflict competency, nutrition, yoga, and spiritual, personal, and professional 
personal you development. Got it. Oh my God. Amazing. Girl, you did your research. Everything. Girl. It's like, what else? What don't what you else? Do? Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, what? So you're not talented at all. You have no skills. But we want to talk about mindful dating because I think a lot of you listeners are really interested in tactful ways of approaching dating. And one of those could be mindfulness. So let's first talk about what does being mindful mean? Can you define that for us, Erin? Mindfulness is actually a Buddhist term. So it's really interesting because in the school systems, we try to separate you know, church and state, even though we say God in our pledge allegiance. But mindfulness <laughs> is Buddhism. I mean, it's straight up like Buddhism, Buddhist ideology. It's one of the safest words, though, when we bring meditation into the school systems, which I find very interesting and in the corporate space. Mm. Mindfulness is paying attention. So right now, if you and I are talking, we're on this podcast, we see each other via Zoom, and we're only paying attention to the words coming out of my mouth and the words coming out of your mouth, then we're basically in a mindfulness conversation, Mm -hmm. a mindful conversation. We're in a mindfulness meditation. So being very present. Now, as it relates to mindfulness and dating, it's so important to, and your highest work is to know thyself. How deeply do you know yourself? If you go on a date with somebody who has five or six drinks and ends up wasted, maybe that triggers something within you because of, you know, alcohol abuse in your lineage. So knowing who you are, what ticks you off and what you're truly looking for. And underneath all of that, what is your self-worth? How do you take care of yourself? How do you love yourself? So what are some ways that people can bring mindfulness to their dating lives? So this is what I say to all of my clients. And I would say, unfortunately, mostly women, most of my female one-on-one clients, You will notice when you are uncomfortable or when you are nervous, consciously or unconsciously, you suck in your stomach. Now that this has many like different lineages, American, uh, North American beauty standards, you need to have a smaller flat stomach, but it's also this idea of playing small. It has a lot to do with the first chakra, uh, the chakras in the Eastern spirituality, uh, meditation, mindfulness world. So everyone I say, when you're on a first date, unclench your stomach, let yourself have a big Buddha belly. It changes how you (laughs) breathe. So my background is clinical psychology and spiritual practice. When you suck in your stomach, you are literally, uh, you're basically telling your body that you can't breathe. It's not safe to breathe. You're only using about 60% of your lung capacity. What does this do? Activates the amygdala, the center of the brain, the flight, fright, or freeze. You're living in a state of panic. You do not want to be in a state of panic on a first date unclench your stomach, breathe into the depths of your lower belly, say something kind to yourself. This is mindfulness and this is mindful dating. That's so interesting. I was like thinking like, keep your phone away, like stuff right. like that. I like, this is like a whole other level. I'm going to like totally pay attention. And Aaron, I would say men do the same. Yeah. I know a lot of guys who are always trying to suck in their stomach and then it ends up um, restricting your, your airways and you don't breathe as healthily as you're supposed to. So it has a lot of health consequences. That's what I'm trying to say. So if you find yourself doing this, like how do you get out of it? Is it take a few deep breaths or like, what is kind of that pattern? Yeah. I mean, it's different for each person. Like everybody has their own relationship to dating and how they choose to show up in a relationship. Uh, first impressions are incredibly important, whether it's a job interview or a first date. And of course, take a couple deep breaths, like realign. Uh, I always encourage, you know, clinical psychology and spiritual practice, they overlap a lot. So we would say in the spiritual world, we would say, 
say mantra, have a mantra or a statement we would say to yourself. Mm -hmm. And positive psychology would say, have I am statements, have positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. So I am calm. I am centered. I am worthy of love. I'm going to find my soulmate. I am open to receiving my highest soulmate. And any words that feel like really spiritually connected and high vibe for you. Reground, breathe deeply. I really like this one. There's actually one practice. It's called Peace Begins With Me. It's in the lineage of Kundalini Yoga. It was brought to the world by Yogi Bhajan. And it's thumb and index finger, thumb and middle finger, thumb and ring finger, thumb and pinky. And it goes, peace begins with me. Peace begins with me. So mm. peace, thumb and index finger begins. Let's all do it middle. together. Let's all do it together. You lead us through this. <laughs> Yay. So it's inhale deeply through your nose. Exhale. Peace begins, with, begins me. with me. Ooh, I yes. like that. That is yes. such a great way to enter a date. Cause I feel yes. like so many times we go to dates, we're like nervous. Like we're not sure if that nervous energy is coming from yourself. Like, is it because you're like apprehensive about the date? Are you thinking about your old past dating patterns? Like, I think if you go to something like this, you like stop all those thoughts and then just go in the present. It's a reset button, but how does this make you more mindful? You are more mindful because you come back into the present moment. You're not having your limited beliefs systems of like, who am I? Like, am I sweaty? Do I smell? Do I have food in my teeth? Like, why did I say that? Your whole purpose of showing up for this first date and coming back to, you know, why you started, why you went on that app, why you allowed your mom to set you up, um, (laughs) like why you're even there in the first place. And you're there because you're open to finding love. You're open to moving through life in a monogamous, perhaps monogamous relationship. So coming back to the why you started. And Aaron, you're now engaged in a monogamous relationship relationship. Were you always a mindful dater? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. This is so much of my background. It's so interesting. I was just talking about this with my girlfriends. I mean, I was 22. I was in the marketing scene in Chicago and I was dating a 39 year old, like Chicago famous, like personality. I mean, short skirt, high heels, went to happy hours in the restaurant industry. So you get like all the good deals. And I remember coming home and being like, Aaron, what the fuck are you doing? Like, who are you? You know, this wasn't the plan. Like this isn't even like your highest expression. I was always a spiritual person, but I think I've, you know, sometimes you conform and you quiet that over time. And a lot of my story is I moved to Israel, dated aggressively out there, moved to India, dated a sweet, sweet man, came back home to the States. Oh my God, my San Francisco stories. I San Francisco, LA, <laughs> San Diego. Episode. Yeah, I was traveling so much. So I took a lover in every city. And now I'm back in Chicago. I'm engaged to truly the person I believe is my highest soulmate. I'm so like, so immensely grateful. I pray everyone gets to experience this kind of love and this type of devotion and this groundedness in a relationship. I'm telling you, I put in the work. I really, Mm. I did all the devotions. (laughs) So how did you get there? Like, I guess, like, how did you go from, like, you said lover in every city to fiance love of your life? I always knew what I wanted. And I think this is so important for people. You don't have to, there's this idea of settling. And I see this with most of my one-on-one clients. I have a lot of one-on-one clients I work with for spiritual counseling business coaching, talk therapy, and this idea that I always knew he was out there. I always knew that I was open to receiving this love. I always knew that I wanted to get married and have 
many children and I had really ridiculous criteria. I wanted somebody who would be nomadic with me. I wanted somebody who could speak to me in English and Hebrew and Spanish. I wanted somebody who was hairy and big and brilliant. And and we spoke about this on my podcast um, together. I went into ceremony. So I believe that we have this power. What does that mean? So ceremony is, and I encourage this for all people, make any moment sacred. So whether it's your morning cup of coffee, you know, Mm. sit down, like say something kind to yourself as you're drinking this cup of coffee, inhale deeply the steam from the hot coffee or your tea. You have the opportunity to make your life more sacred. And in this space of ritual, in this space of sacredness, you can manifest or you can attract or you can kind of create what you most desire. Now, keep in mind, I have like incredibly like clinical psych, like business background, but why not try both? Why not try the Eastern side of practice and the Western side of practice? So for me, I encourage all my clients, and I was saying this to you earlier, I have clients come over and we go into ceremony together, which is building sacredness. So um, playing instruments, lighting candles, having incense, putting on all the oils, anything that makes you feel very feminine and sexy and intuitive and sitting in the feeling as if you already have it. Now, when you're manifesting Mm. your highest soulmate to sit in the feeling as if you already have it, it's not like he or she has blue eyes. It's being with this person feels like a snow day. Being Mm. with this person is like a warm chocolate chip cookie or a rainbow (laughs) or walking in the rain in bare feet. You know, it's things that are very intimate and personal and only you know what that feels like. So I did that ceremony. I did that ceremony about two, two and a half years ago. And the idea is you you practice this ceremony and you write it down and you make this piece of paper really beautiful and you consciously lose it, but you lose it in a place where you could probably find it. So I have this beautiful piece of paper somewhere oh in like God. my parents' like spare bedroom in my house in the suburbs. And I always knew in the back of my mind, I did my ceremony. So I'd go out and dates and I would recognize if I felt anything that was similar to what I was looking for in that ceremony. Mm. And if it was there, then I would continue dating this person. And if it wasn't, I was, I was out in a second. I mean, Mm. I was out. This wasn't of highest good. I'm leaving immediately. That's Mm. so interesting. And one, one comment we have to make, we have to do the ceremony. We have to do the ceremony. You know, I, I love, I'm sorry, Julie, I cut you off. I just got so overly excited. I'm like ceremonying right now. I know. But I think the other thing is there's so, I've experienced this myself. It's like you meet this guy or girl and they are great. Like they're everything that you like think on paper or like everything's vibing, but like at the same time, it's not vibing for whatever reason. And I think those ones sometimes are the hardest to cut off because you're like, I should like this person. I want to, but you would say like, cut it off. Oh, if it's not sitting well. So if it's not sitting well in your heart, that's one thing. If it's not sitting well in your second chakra, so in your genitals, in your uterus, and women, this is this is only for those of us who were born as a woman with a uterus and a vagina. Something very specific to women is the vagina tingle. Now, if you, it happens in many different circumstances. It could be you're looking over a menu and you're like, you're like, oh, I should have a salad, but then your eyes wander down and you see a burger, and like when you read the burger, you get like a woo, like in your uterus. (laughs) Yes. So that's the same things for when a man or a woman walks into the room and you get that tingle. This is when a woman knows it's not that you're just aroused. It's that you're intrigued, that you want to have this conversation. You want to engage. So if you have that vibe where you don't want to engage and you don't have that vagina tingle, 
Then get out of there. I love the vagina tingle. That is the woohoo in your (laughs) woohoo. So you've kind of brought up chakras a few times. Can you kind of explain a little more what this is and give us a little more detail? And why people should care about their chakras. Yes. Oh my God. Amazing. I love this question. I actually just built, I built a whole certificate program. I'm now certifying people in the practices that I share. Um, So if anybody is listening and you want to become a mindfulness and well-being strategist um, and you want to share this work either one-on-one or in the corporate setting, definitely I'll I'll send the info to both of you and you can definitely reach out. So the chakra system, so it's chakras and the (laughs) chakra system is they, it's a Sanskrit word. It translates into wheels and it's seven energetic points from the base of the tailbone to the top of the head. Now, the reason I love the chakra system so much is they have impeccable pairings to psychology and to science. So like we mentioned the first chakra, the muladhara, This is the base of your needs. This is Maslow's hierarchy. This is safety, security, comfort, food, shelter, your basic needs that must be met, how you allow yourself to take up space. And it's so important to have this conversation in dating. And I'll tell you, my client, I'll even say my client today, her and her partner, they're not doing so well. And one of the first things I asked her, uh, we were talking about her basic needs and if they were being met. I asked her, when you're in bed together and you're just sleeping, are you curled over in the corner of the bed or are you sprawled out taking up space. And she says, Oh my God, Aaron, I'm in the corner of the bed. I I don't feel like I can even take up space, like even sleeping, like restful in our bed. And I was like, love, like you are not meeting your basic needs. You're absolutely closing the first Mm. chakra system, like the first chakra. And you can't move upwards. You can't have enlightenment. You can't have these like deep intellectual conversations. You can't attract your highest soulmate when you're not meeting your basic needs. So I think it's incredibly important to know how your body is connecting to the world around you. And the greatest tool to use is the chakra system. Okay. So I saw Mm. on your website that there is the seven chakra ritual to tap into your feminine power. Can you tell us a little about that? Besides the vagina tingles. Oh, well, let's talk about the vagina tingles. Okay. This is one of my, this is, I have a, I run a soul, um, a soul immersion called nine month soul immersion. It's like a group coaching program. And we just finished the month where we talked about the second chakra and we talk about exactly what we said to you, the vagina tingles. Now there's a specific yogic lineage in Tantra yoga, Tantra yoga, which is commonly known as like the sex lineage of yoga, although it's that's really is a misrepresentation. It's more sensual and um, mindful and feminine. And it's like a different embodiment of yogic lineage. And they encourage women to wear the jade egg. Now, the jade egg Mm -hmm. is a semi-precious stone that you wear in your uterus. Mm -hmm. And when you wear this stone in your uterus, you are that much more aware of the vagina tingle or of when you're naturally clenching, which shows that, yeah, it shows that you're invested or you're curious or you're intrigued or you're inspired. So for women who are overcoming sexual trauma, creatives, anyone who's a creative, anyone who's an artist or a musician and you're, and you have a uterus, I urge you to try the egg, see how it sits with you and and what comes up. Um, it's really good for people who have a hard time making decisions, like even small decisions. Mm, Yeah. That's a really good idea. If you're like on the edge with someone you've been dating and you're like, just put that egg in and just see what you feel. Yeah. Cause some, it's that mind body 
connection. And sometimes it's a little harder for us as women because we don't have an external extremity. But for men, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's much easier for them to visualize. Right. For us, sometimes we really have to sit down and think, am I feeling the tingle? <laughs> right. I love this vagina tingle. For I feel like for years, I've not been able to put my, like the words around what this actually is. It's vagina tingle. Like people ask all the time, like why there's chemistry and why there isn't. Yeah. And it's like, no one can ever explain why they just feel it or why they don't. Absolutely. And it's also smells and smells is like, are you naturally, and this is something you could do on a first date. Now, if you are a woman and you are on the birth control pill or you are on any synthetic hormone, how you smell yourself and how other people smell to you is different. So I've mm. even had clients who were, have been on a synthetic hormone, uh, the birth control pill for 15 years. I mean, you know, us, like our generation, we went on it 14, 15, like immediately you've been on the pill for 15 years, you get off of it and you're with your partner and you're like, you smell disgusting. Like I can't even stand to be around you. Your natural attraction, like your natural pheromones, your body tells you who you're supposed to reproduce with, who you're Mm. like attracted to. So pay attention to how you smell. And if you are naturally attracted to the smells of your partner. That is super interesting. Mm -hmm. I actually heard this recently too. I was talking to another potential guest that we might have on the show about just like, what makes someone attractive and a lot of times you think like physical and you think of like what media tells you and like all of that but so much of it is smell and like how you're actually reacting to people and I've never really been able to like understand why that is the case but it comes down to mindfulness I guess don't quote me on this but I remember watching a documentary (laughs) about smells and pheromones and how we naturally are attracted to certain smells that have different genetic makeup than us Mm. because it to avoid inbreeding and incest. So you actually are attracted to people who are like different race and different everything. Don't don't quote me. I remember it was like Attraction 101 on Netflix. All right. So I think something that's interesting to talk about is how do we carry this mindfulness into a relationship? We've talked about dating, but you're in a committed relationship. How long have you been with your fiance? We've been together for a year and a half. And how do you take that mindfulness into your daily lives? And there's so many different practices. There's you know, a rabbi who says that you need to stare at your partner for six seconds every single day. And <laughs> there's another, and try it if it's interesting to you. And there's another philosopher, you know, to release oxytocin, you need to cuddle for 20 minutes every single day. And wow. yeah, and I think it's self-awareness. So I even speak about this a lot in corporations. If you have a fight with your partner first thing in the morning and you come into the office and you're in an incredibly bad mood and you're rude to all, your coworkers and employees, that's not mindful. Like you're not practicing mindfulness at all. So same is true in your relationship. Why are you upset? So it's like naming it really authentically. Yeah, I got stuck in Dallas airport the last 24 hours. I got home late last night and my fiance, John, came to pick me up and I was like so ecstatic he was picking me up because it was like a horrible, ugh, it was just like not a fun way, uh, day of travel. And we get back to our apartment in the city and we park on the street And I wanted him to like circle around a couple more times to see if we could just get a parking spot closer to our building. And he's like, no, like, like, let's just take the spot that we always take. It's like literally a three minute walk. It's not a big deal. And I just got so upset because I was so exhausted. And Mm. to be able to say, 
I'm absolutely exhausted. Like I'm not mad at you at all. Like I'm like in dispeace with this situation to be able to shift. That's like a very, I would say like surface level example, but yeah, um, no, it's good though. I like examples like that because yeah. they're realistic of like what it's that could practical. mean. Let me take that actually one layer further because this is one that I've mm. noticed a lot. The example I actually brought up earlier in our conversation, if you're dating somebody and they get drunk a lot and that's not like the person that you want to marry and have kids with, pay attention to that. Like, make sure you say alcoholism runs in my family. Like this isn't an attractive trait or like you're with somebody who does like a lot of drugs or spends a lot of money. That's another one of my clients. Her partner spends a lot of money and she has financial insecurity um, and has like a lot of student debt. So it's having these like what lies beneath the surface and how are you speaking about it? So one thing that comes up, I think a lot is like always thinking about the future. Like if you are dating, you're like, can this person become my boyfriend or girlfriend? And then when you're actually together, you're like, could this be the, the person I marry? Like, it's always like you're thinking one step ahead instead of just being present, like with the current situation. What are your thoughts and like, what advice could you give to people to kind of be mindful of being in the present, but also like being realistic about their situations too? Time to take a quick break so I can tell you about the great news for all you San Francisco listeners. You now have more time to sign up for the Pub Crawl. The event has been moved back to Thursday, May 23rd. Come meet the dateable team, favorite past guests, and other listeners. We're partnering with 941 Social Club, where you'll get 10 drinks at 10 Polk Street bars for only $15 by using the code DATEABLE. Don't forget, the code is DATEABLE for this exclusive discounted price, and also so we can tell you a meeting spot for the Dateable family. We'll have the event posted on our Facebook page and Instagram, or go to datablepodcast.com slash Polk Street Pub Crawl to get your tickets today. Now back to the show. What advice could you give to people to kind of be mindful of being in the present, but also like being realistic about their situations too? I believe you always know. I don't think it happens on the first date or the second or right now in our generation. I don't think it happens on the third. But once you get to that one month, six week, two month pace of of dating, you always know, like, even if you're lying to yourself, you know, in your heart, if you know, in your vagina, like, you know, in your, <laughs> like in your soul, if this person is who you want to procreate with, who you want to travel the world with, who's going to support you on the bad days. It's so fun to be with somebody who's easygoing and they love to you know, take you out to dinner and parties and drinks and have fun. But are they going to be with you when shit goes wrong? Are they going to be with you when you Mm. lose your job or a loved one passes away? That's the questions you need to ask. Got it. So it's less about worrying about it, but just like trusting your own instincts and listening to how you kind of feel in the core because you're saying that you basically know. You absolutely know, even if you're lying to yourself. And maybe, (laughs) yeah, like so for some women and for some men, this means you need to sober up. So if you really do want to have this like deep intuition, you know, lay off the booze for 10 days, lay off uh, like sugar or anything that you feel you're incredibly addicted to. So I'm also a functional medicine nutritionist and it's very hard to become intuitive and have like deep knowing when you eat shit all day and you sit on the couch. So yeah. get to yoga, you know what that, sweat it out. That's so true though. I feel like any situation that has turned a certain way, I like subconsciously did know in my gut. Hmm. It was like you would tell yourself or try to like justify it in so many ways, but you kind of know. Uh, I 
I don't know. I, this is totally just off topic in a way, but this is what's interesting about just psychology of humans. The reason why Jeopardy, the show has been on for so long, not because people like the show, they think it's entertaining, but the show makes people feel like they're right. Mm. So what, what it does is when, when the answer is revealed, a lot of people who are watching will say, I knew that was the answer. I knew that was it. I, it was on the tip of my tongue. I was going to come out. And I think that's what happens with human behavior is that sometimes we're like, I knew that was going to happen. I'm very intuitive where I knew that was going to happen. It's not so much like whether that's true or not. It's that we just have to trust our feeling of whether we think we're right or not, right? So if you, you feel like in your gut that a situation is not going well, if you just feel that, that's your truth. It doesn't even matter if that's not the truth, right? So we just have to honor our truths even more. You're always safe in your truth. You always have to honor your truth. You, I, I love that. I love Jeopardy. Yeah. I absolutely agree. <laughs> so I'll link that to Rosie Retrospection. Rosie Retrospection happens mm-hmm. a lot. I'm actually writing about this um, a good amount right now as there's new research on it. So rosy retrospection is when you look back uh, at something that occurred in the past that was mm-hmm. actually really negative, but because it occurred in the past, you think of it as super positive. This happens a lot with our ex-romantic partners. Yes. So you look back and you think, oh, like she wasn't so bad. She wasn't manipulative. He wasn't a cheater, an alcoholic or an, an, an asshole. You look back and you think actually really positive things. Sometimes you, sometimes yeah. it's actually the opposite. You think they're the worst, but that's when we get back together with our exes. I mean, this yeah. happens yeah. all the time. You look back, you're like, oh, it was great. It's it's like the episode we did on the gold standard totally. on that one person that you just, you think that's the person that got away. But then when you really think about it, really wasn't. So that's a good segue because I saw this quote on your Instagram when I was sufficiently stalking you on your (laughs) website. (laughs) So it was, I love this quote. It was, I have a plan. Do you trust me? the universe. At least I've thought this before, like if something ends, like the universe was telling me something and Mm -hmm. it was actually pointing me towards the future person that should be for me. What are your thoughts about the universe and higher powers when it comes to love? It is so important to, I mean, I'll say this and for everyone who's listening, you can take it in the way that most serves you pray. It is so important to ask for what you most desire. It is so important to connect to something bigger than yourself. I don't care if it's Allah or Hashem or Buddha or Jesus Christ. I don't care if it's mother nature, your lineage, your grandmother, your great, great grandmother who's deceased or your higher version of self, like the the better version of you, your divine feminine or divine masculine. You must look to this energy for support. You must look to this energy for advice, profound research on prayer, and leaning into the universe and energy all around you. It's the research behind Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous. It's the research behind, there's a great book by by my professor, Dr. Lisa Miller. She wrote the book, The Spiritual Child, how it's so important to have kids believing in karma. You know, what goes around Mm. comes around. If you're a good person, good things will happen. Believe in in something bigger than you and you show up in a different way. Now that's the spiritual side of it. Now I'll ask you, and this is something that I find to be the most relatable because X happened. I did Y because my relationship didn't work out. I moved to Israel. You know, like it's really important to ask yourself why you're doing these things because 
this guy was a horrible boyfriend. I became really involved in this book club and now I have this whole new group of friends. You have to look at what comes as a result from X not working mm. out. It's always a blessing. So I was uh, reading an article about the happiest villages in <laughs> the world and what they have in common. They not just happy, but they also live to be like over a hundred years old. And the two commonalities between all of these villages was one, they pray every day. And two is they believe in a higher being. Those mm. were the only commonalities. It is interesting. I think like our generation kind of lacks that. A lot of us didn't grow up with, let's say like religion or mm. spirituality. And we're all just trying to navigate that. But finding that within yourself is probably a personal journey we all should go on. Yeah. Although I feel like mindfulness in like that type of outlook is a lot more common this mm -hmm. day and age. Like I think a lot of people, I agree, like don't necessarily identify with as much religion as in the past, but there is like a spiritual side that I think does persist. Yeah. But again, everyone's different. Some people might be very religious and not spiritual and vice versa. And that's a good question for Aaron, actually, because what if you are spiritual and you're working on mindfulness and you're with a partner who's very early in their journey or yeah. haven't even thought about it? <laughs> how do you get them on board? What I've noticed is that uh, spiritual people... Um, it's oftentimes hard to be with somebody who isn't or who's not open to it, but there's different ways to connect. For example, I was in a relationship with somebody and we both really cared a lot about eating well and exercise. And that was religion to us at the time. And we were in college and to be with somebody who cared so much about what I cared about, which was nutrition and movement, that was very grounding and healing and served our relationship for the time that it served our relationship. I think it's incredibly important to be with somebody who can keep up with you. And if you're meditating for 20 minutes every morning and you're doing yoga in the evening and you're reading all the self-help books and you're listening to podcasts that are helping you stay engaged, guess what? It's going to be hard for you to date somebody who's asleep, who's not having these conversations, who's going through life without questioning a lot of their practices or their day-to-day. -day. I'm Jewish and a lot of my background, when I moved to Israel, I studied Judaism, but I also studied Islam. And when I moved to India, I was living in a Muslim community and I was studying Hinduism and Buddhism. And, you know, we live in America. So like by default, you know a lot about Christianity. So I think it's important. Know about other religions. Don't live under a rock. Ask the questions, participate in the holidays, have friends who look different than you, who speak different languages, and even yourself, speak another language. Engage with somebody verbally and connect with them and their lineage in their language. Awesome. Great point. We're going to go into some takeaways, but before we do that, what is kind of like the first step of starting to date mindfully? Like if you're not in this mindset already. Do a ceremony. Know who you are. Ask for exactly what you want. I mean, I know there's so many other things like put away your phone, like authentically say what you want on your dating app. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm a spiritual person. I oftentimes suggest for first dates, don't meet over alcohol. Don't meet over a drink. Go, if you live in a nice place, go on a hike. Go to Barnes and Noble if you live in somewhere cold and like look at books together. Go to an Does art that class. That still exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody who went on that Get first an date. E -book. <laughs> go to like an Amazon pop up bookstore. Oh, yeah. yeah. That there exists. Go. go to the library. Guys, library. Hey, still the library is where it's at. Like, it you is. Get a bunch of free stuff there. Anyways. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but first and foremost, what do you want? You know, ask yourself, what do you want? Like, who is the person that you're going to move throughout life with? Who do you want to have kids with if you do want to have kids? Who do you want to move to Asia with if you do want to move to Asia? Get really grounded on who this person is. Sit in the feeling of being with them. Call me, reach out. We can do a ceremony virtually, or you can come with me on retreats. I have many coming up. If I'm understanding correctly, a ceremony could be something as simple as sitting with like a cup of tea and like either jotting things down or thinking about them in your mind. It doesn't have to be something super crazy either. Beautiful. Yes. And a great rule of thumb, honor the elements. So there's five elements. And if you, whenever I do a full ceremony and it's something like super deep. So I would say like drinking your coffee in the morning, that's more of a ritual, you know, even like everything. I mean, you can make everything a ritual, packing your lunch, getting dressed in the morning, waking up, like welcoming your breath into your body. But if you're going to do a ritual, you're going to do a full blown ceremony, honor the five elements, which is earth, air, water, fire, and ether, earth, be in nature, or, you know, in my apartment in the city, I have a lot of plants. I have a lot of crystals. Mm -hmm. This is earth, fire, light a candle, be by a fireplace, air, have an air diffuser, be by an open window, turn on a fan, water, drink a cup of tea, have a bowl of water next to you, ether, the space in between yourself and the world around you, how you space these elements around and connect to the elements around you. This mm -hmm. is what I do whenever I hold space for a ceremony or move into ceremony myself. It's leaning into the energy around you. So one thing I've mm -hmm. done like periodically, I probably try to do this at least once a year is like, I'll go to like hot springs are north of San Francisco in um, Sonoma area. I like to go by myself. I don't like to be with other people. <laughs> and I usually like bring a journal, kind of reflect on like what's going on in my life, what I'm looking for in a partner and like where I want to be. And then kind of like soak in the hot springs and let it all kind of resonate. And that's great. Would that be a ceremony? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a really fancy ceremony. But that is high a bougie. Ceremony. bougie ceremony. Bougie. Kind of bougie. You can also you can also go to like a park or something. Yeah, go compared so. to what you just described. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Dolores Park with <laughs> a guy selling park. edibles next to me. Okay, you could go while you go to, go to like I don't know, you could like take a hike like hike studio or go to like No, yeah. Thing. I mean there's different Yeah, ways don't go to, to Dolores it. Park here. I love Dolores Park, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. How can you not? I've had many ceremonies there. I just didn't know it. <laughs> well, you and I are doing our ceremony. That's uh, this is going to be my ceremony with another person. That's going to be our ceremony. But I guess what other takeaways do you have from this whole conversation besides we're going to do our ceremonies? I think it's baby steps. For me, just trying to be mindful is being mindful in itself. Like for me to remind myself to be mindful, that's yeah. a process in itself. And I love what you said about creating these, these little rituals. I've been doing this like morning tea ritual with myself. In the past, I would just make tea and run out the house with it in mm. my hand. But now I actually drink the tea at my table. I have Mojo, my dog next to me, and we don't have our phones, our phones, like he has a phone. <laughs> I'm texting have... Mojo every day. <laughs> we don't have my phone nearby. It's just a nice cup of tea and I am grateful for the tea and I set my, set my intentions for the day. Now, do I do it every day? No, but this is what I mean by baby steps. I think if anybody who's trying to be more in this practice of mindfulness is just thinking about a little thing you can do every day. You got to repeat it every day to start with, and then you can build from there. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway is like this trusting your intuition, or maybe it's um, your vagina tingles, whatever you <laughs> want to say. But I think like, you know, in your gut or your vagina, one of the two, like if something is meant to be or not. And like, yeah, there's going to be different things that come 
come up, like you may have a bad day and question things or not. But if more days that you're really feeling this way and kind of trying to justify something, then I think you do know deep down. And it's at least, even if it's not a, yes, I'm going to pivot a hundred percent, at least take inventory of how you're feeling and acknowledge it. And it's like, why do I feel unsettled? Why do I feel uncomfortable about this? And is there something I can learn from it? Or is there a more drastic measure I need to take? I love, I think people should replay back this episode just to listen to Aaron's language. I think a lot of the words you use are very inclusive and about mm. acceptance and about letting things come in. Yep. When I think a lot of, you know, my daily language is com- not combative, but it's like avoiding or shoo away or defending, building a wall, building a barrier. So I think to your point, Julie, if we can accept all of the feelings are coming in and really let them live in our bodies, that's when we can be more mindful of how we feel. Uh, And it goes to as simple as do I want pizza or sushi tonight? You know, like why, why avoid these feelings when we can say, you know what? Sushi gives me the tingles. I'm going to go with the sushi. vagina tingles. Oh yeah. Sushi it always sushi. gives me the tingles. <laughs> That's the totally the, the name of this episode. Vagina <laughs> tingles. Spiritual <laughs> vagina tingles. How about that? I love it. Erin, is there anything tingles. that you want to add? I know you live and breathe this stuff, but is there any like parting advice or words or takeaways you have? Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in the thick of dating and you're feeling fatigued and discouraged and like your highest soulmate isn't out there, I urge you to shift, go into ceremony, call somebody you love who is in a healthy relationship and ask for guidance, ask for inspiration. And when you go on these first dates, wear sexy lingerie or have a pep pep talk with a friend right before, put a crystal in your pocket or a note to yourself. You know, notes are so important. Like dear self, you are showing up for this date because you believe that your highest soulmate is out there. This piece of paper in your pocket is a reminder of your devotion to love, of your devotion to your, you know, unborn children children or travels around the world or beautiful orgasms that you're going to have with your highest soulmate. (laughs) And just being really clear on that. um, Peace begins with me connecting to your breath, speaking kindly to yourself, speaking kindly to others. If the date is going terrible, get up and leave. I love it. Get up and leave. You're being (laughs) mindful. (laughs) You're listening to your inner self here. Shall we do a question of the day? Let's do a question of the day. One comes from Larry. He says, I met this amazing woman and we had a great three months together until she found out she has to move to another country. Overall, we get along great, but I do have a few doubts. And some of those come from not getting enough time to truly see if this could work. Is this a universe telling me I shouldn't be with her? Or should I say, fuck the universe and try anyways to make it work? I love the idea of believing in the universe, but maybe I'm looking too hard for signs. Oh, Larry, 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 what a sweet (laughs) man. Larry, you have to show up. Like you definitely have to show up at least for the long distance relationship, show up for a certain amount of time, plan a trip there, maybe even help this person move in to their new space and see what that feels like. And maybe even see for yourself, are you open to relocating? Are you open to working remotely? It's so rare to find something good. And if it's three months, that's a good amount of time. And it sounds like it's been really positive. So show up. Maybe the universe is speaking to you because I'm the one answering your question. And maybe the universe is speaking to you because airfare is is surprisingly cheap. Maybe you find a job opportunity in London or that's where she's moving, right? Or they're moving? She didn't say. She he did say another country. Oh, another country. Say. Okay, so another country. But That's Aaron, true. what do you what do you think about his question of looking too hard for signs? Is that something that people are guilty of sometimes? 
Yeah. So you have to be very clear on what your signs are for some people. So for example, I can say for myself and I don't like, this isn't, um, a lot of people are really into spirit animals. That's not my forte. I'm, I think I'm a, I'll say I'm more logical than that, but I will say whenever I know I'm in flow, I see a deer and you know, mm. that's something that always resonates with me. I'll even go as far as saying after my uh, fiance proposed four deer ran out of the woods and onto the beach. Like it was so, wow. it was huge, right? It was so, so moving to me. And like whenever I'm in a bad mood or like I need to shift and I'm like questioning, um, a deer will come into play or I'll get like a phone call from a friend who like really wants to connect. So I would say, Larry, what are the symbols that resonate with you? Maybe it is an animal. Maybe it is like a dream where your grand, your great grandmother who's passed away is speaking to you about pursuing this passion, about pursuing this romantic partner. Maybe you guys have like a common inside joke and it comes up randomly on the radio or in a podcast or whatever you're listening to or reading, you know, things like this. And you have to be clear on what signs you're open to. So if you're thinking of moving to this place or continuing this relationship, make like a huge declaration. Like if I'm supposed to pursue this, I will see an owl or I will see mm. red sandwiches Beetle or like butt. whatever. Yeah. Whatever resonates with you. Red sandwiches. Red sandwiches. <laughs> I think I Are you trying hungry. to break them up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but okay. So I totally, I totally get that. But sometimes I feel like when people are looking for something, they just all of a sudden start seeing it. So it has to be kind of obscure. It has to be super niche, Julie. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to break up. What, like red sandwiches? Red? Yeah, there's no red sandwiches out there. So <laughs> Larry's, he's doing his fate by thinking that. <laughs> no, I think like, honestly, like I'm in a situation right now that's long distance. We're just kind of taking it as it comes. And I think it's like, I don't know what the next like month is going to look like, two months, whatever. It's like, I think just checking in with yourself, like the things that we were talking about earlier and like, how are you feeling about the current situation? Is this working for you? Is this not working for you? Having those conversations with them and maybe it's not working for you, but that doesn't mean necessarily that it needs to end, but it's having that conversation, seeing how receptive someone is and seeing if you can work forward with someone or not. And then again, just listening to your intuition. Um, I guess we're not going to call the vagina tingles here, but <laughs> the intuition, I guess, in general, your gut feeling. Yeah, the gut feeling is so important. But even in your message, Larry, you say how, you know, there are signs pointing to things not working out. And again, Julie, you're saying once you look for something, you you tend to see it all the time. Mm. So so instead of like looking towards these things that you think are happening, why don't you look for things that you want to happen? Mm. Like what Aaron was saying, the red sandwiches and the deer, <laughs> you know, if you want this to work, then you will look for signs for it to work. Those are your intentions and that's where you should be headed. If you're looking for the opposite, then you've got your answer there already. Cool. Yes. All right. Any last thoughts? comments. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank, <laughs> thank you, for you for sharing these words. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. This has been very insightful and enlightening. And I, I'm excited to again, touch with my chakras. Ceremony. <laughs> chakras. And uh, people can find your podcast at the wise woman podcast on all the platforms. I'm guessing. Yes. Wise woman podcast. Um, definitely check it out. It's women leaders and spiritual based conversations and rituals that serve them plus business tips and coaching. Um, I'll send you my website. You can follow me on social media at Aaron R. Doppelt, E-R-I-N-R-D-O-P-P-E-L-T. Uh, all my stuff is really on Instagram. I've 
retreats in Mexico, India, um, all throughout the States. I have a training in Nosada, Costa Rica, which I think is in the study UA, what you were mentioning. It's one of the happiest places in the world, Nosada, Costa Rica. Mm. So if you're interested in doing this work, definitely reach out and I will send you all of that info. Awesome. And Wonderful. look for us on Aaron's podcast. Yes. yes. By the time this one airs, we've already been on Aaron's podcast. Yep. So look back through her inventory of episodes. We were on one of them. Yay. Woo. We're such wise women. Mindful women with vagina tingles. (laughs) Thank you so much, Erin, for being on our show. And by the way, I just want to also note we met Erin at South by Southwest. So thank you, South by Southwest. Yes. Thank you, South by Southwest. I love you guys so much. Oh, South by the best place ever. There were great signs there. Great signs from the universe. Signs of how we're moving forward with this podcast. Yes, we're moving forward. Okay, we'll link everything about Erin in our show notes. All right. With that said, we're going to wrap this up. Your action item for this week is to get in the habit of ritualizing and holding ceremonies. Ritualize some of the smaller everyday events, such as that first cup of coffee or even your bedtime routine. This will help you stay mindful and grateful. Hold ceremonies for those transformative times when you want to reset your intentions, clear your mind, and find a fresh perspective. Your ceremonies don't have to be grand gestures, but do something, even as simple as lighting some candles, to visually and mentally mark these moments. Want to continue the conversation? First, tag us in any post with hashtag StayDateable. Then head on over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching services with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. To connect with us, find Datable Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also downloadable on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.